listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TNA podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. Myself Ritwik, the host of the show, and today I'm joined by a very amazing person who is probably one of the best people to follow on Twitter right now. He's none other than Ninad Barbadikar. from first time finish which is again a wonderful wonderful blog i'll talk about that in a few minutes but welcome nina thanks rutik hi good to be here yeah glad to have you again i mean i i remember the last time we spoke and i mean i kind of joked uh, about it on social media <laughs> yesterday as well i mean the same, <laughs> yeah. the day we spoke uh, united lost 6-1 uh, to spurs and liverpool lost 7-2 to villa and i mean yesterday liverpool lost again to southampton so let's see what happens to manchester united tomorrow isn't yeah i'm hoping <laughs> it's not the same thing that but yeah it it seems like our our talking on podcast this seems to have a reverse jinx on our team yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean for all the listeners first time finish is a blog which uh, is co-founded by nina tom underhill and ben bossat these three are top top people i think you should follow them on twitter as well they produce some really amazing content they've looked at the stories of players like patson daka dio pomecano and a lot of other footballers as well um i mean i'm i'm not yeah erling haland obviously again and another big star who they've actually covered so you should probably give them a follow on social media as well and coming on to the topic which is manchester united that's the agenda for the podcast today before jumping on to manchester united i just want to ask you about the season ninad it's been a crazy crazy season i mean i i i spoke about the same thing to derek ray last week and i mean it's the case across europe lots of unexpected and i i would probably like to say outlierish results but yep. Yeah in your opinion how do you think the season's been i mean from a personal perspective from an enjoyment perspective and also from from the perspective of a neutral i mean i think for a neutral um, this season has been quite enjoyable because um, almost every other week you're seeing that the league leaders are changing and the variables are uh, twisting and turning every week and you are seeing that i mean currently liverpool are on, on top united are joint top they are second with uh, one game in hand and uh, you still have city which have uh, which have two uh, who have two games in hand so um there's also southampton who are on 29 tottenham who are on 29 points uh, everton who are on 29 points so it's it's a it's a crazy season like you said um and honestly i think ultimately whichever team continues to win somehow it's not about doing it with style this season i think um, this season is all about just being there in the race until the end and as long as you are staying in the loop as long as one of your rivals make a mistake i think if you are in a position to pounce you can win the title it could be any one of the top uh, top 7 teams this season i it's 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 been a funny season yeah yeah absolutely and i mean in the initial stages of the season people were looking at everton and saying oh they they might possibly do a leicester but then everton <laughs> started slipping up then leicester started coming up and people were looking at okay leicester would they do it again again leicester started slipping up then came chelsea then chelsea went on a slump from december and tottenham took over that that particular title for a couple of weeks liverpool came back again on top but then it's liverpool turn to go down and right now it's manchester united so it has been up and down and manchester city like you said haven't you know they didn't start the season well but 
they are right now coming back on form and i think i mean you look at all the 20 teams in the premier league and i and honestly i think the only team who could probably put in a consistent winning run who has the team who has the squad depth to put a consistent winning run who even has the manager to do that is manchester city and pep guardiola so i think they are probably strong strong contenders and that's why 538 always has you know the most odds for manchester city like grace robertson mentions on twitter yeah 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 so coming to manchester united now ninad which is the team that you support wow mm-hmm. i mean what what a <laughs> run i mean i'm i'm a bit salty saying this because i support liverpool and i hate seeing manchester united on top i mean i, I i've obviously seen that probably for most part of my life uh, but still <laughs> it pains to see uh, united doing so well but being a uh, neutral right now i mean it's yeah. been a really amazing run um, you actually were doing so well in the champions league as well before the mm-hmm. last two games and that that yep. was probably a bit unlucky i mean you should have probably qualified uh, after the way you started your champions league campaign but since that disappointment against leipzig you have really really been top class you've not lost a single game you've been on a terrific run from then and I mean, in the last five games, no team has picked up more points than United. United have picked up 13 out of a possible 15. And yeah. in terms of XG differential, I just want to put in two stats. Uh, XG differential, mm-hmm. you are the fifth best team. In terms of uh, goals minus XG, you are third best. I mean, the two teams ahead of you are Southampton and Spurs. Southampton's numbers are bonkers because they are massively, <laughs> massively and uh, overperforming their XG right now. but yeah. do you think your attack has massively improved nina do you think the numbers do justice or do you think it's just a, again a period of you know of performance i mean uh i guess i guess it's a little bit of both uh there's clearly um, no doubt that you know we have uh, quite a talented attacking line and add to the fact that this season we have had an actual proper number 9 come into the club in in the form of Prince Alkwani uh so i think he's improved uh, our numbers in a sense as well because uh, he hasn't uh, hasn't started many games i think but uh, whenever he's come out to the pitch you can see there is a notable difference in the way we attack and as compared to when say anthony martial starts up top or say marcus rashford starts starts up top because um, you know for all the good things that both of those forwards provide you cannot really uh do, i mean both of them cannot really provide what kavani can provide you know he is a classic number 9 he is a link up player he runs he works hard for the team he presses and he he's the first one he's a focal point right all the all number 9s are focal points they are they are the they are the point uh, you know of uh, of uh, uh, of um they they are the central point of their team's attacks so i think kavani has been a really really valuable addition to the team and um, i i don't think united's over performance will will continue obviously at some point we will regress uh, as teams usually do that over perform in xg um, but yeah i i think um, on paper at least and speaking from neutral perspective we do have one of the most uh, potent forward lines in the premier league yeah absolutely i mean the point that you mentioned about kavani is probably spot on because that's a player I mean when people when you signed him on free or probably towards the end of the window there were few doubts I I think there were few fans united fans themselves who were actually questioning the signing because of his age but with Cavani you always get that final moment 
and that's something that's really really hard for teams to deal with especially in a league like premier league where uh, where, where you you can carve the defense open and i think the premier league inter, in i mean from from a overall perspective i think this been regression in quality probably in the premier league defense wise in the last 2 3 years i would say i mean that's that's a personal opinion i think people can have different opinions but mm-hmm. and that that's that's something that the likes of cavani will exploit as well you saw that against southampton i mean that two goals against southampton they were really good i think the winner was the header right that that perfect movement the perfect ball from bruno yeah. and cavani yeah that's, that's correct yeah yeah so that's the that's what you get with cavani so i mean he's he's basically added competition for uh, in your squad and that actually brings me to the next question inad i mean mm-hmm. there's a lot of people there are a lot of people who actually lament manchester united's lack of business but you've done some signings i know obviously it's not the ma- the you know the maxim that you you can do or it's not something it's not an optimal transfer window it's not been optimal business as far as yeah. bringing in players are cons- uh, concerned but you brought in players but you brought in some really good players i mean aaron van bisaka might not be the best la- right back but he's done a pretty good job last season this season i mean he's been quite okay but harry maguire you know you spent 85 million on him i mean i was never a fan of harry maguire i mean i wasn't even a fan last season but i think this season even after what happened in my corners in greece he's actually really stepped up i mean there's a lot of people there are a lot of people who actually again criticize maguire because of the price tag obviously but i think he's done a really good job so you you actually recruited players like this also bruno i mean that's that that that's an unreal piece of business and do you think the competition for places again alex telles for uh, left back spot so do you think this competitions for places has actually you know helped or improved or changed the mentality of your first first 11 that i mean i, I probably think i probably should put it this way do you think the players are now not taking their places for granted i mean yeah i think you could say that um, i think i think alex telles's addition has also uh, put added pressure on shaw um although he you know uh, telles hasn't started uh, as many games as we would have liked um you know there there are and there are reasons for that um but ultimately i think um, the players that have been added so kavani for example he has also been a sort of a mentor and a competitor to marshall and rashford wherein they are learning from him but they also know this is this is a guy who is uh, not just a plan b striker who is someone who will continue to train hard who will work hard and who will try to impress ole all the time in uh, whenever he is uh, working off the pitch and on the pitch and uh, they see him as a two-fold person as someone who uh, is going to push them to do even better and who someone who they can learn from as well um so i think yeah uh, you know the competition for places has increased um i would have liked to see van der beek get more game time so far uh, i'm not I'm not one of those people who's going to panic over his lack of game time so far but you know honestly now it's January and it's a bit disappointing to see that uh, Ole hasn't used his talents um as much as I think a, a large section of United fans would have liked to see because I think he's clearly a very talented player and there's only so long that you can uh, make the excuse that you know there's still a long time in the season to go 
and obviously if if united do qualify in the europa league and go further there will be plenty more games to go uh but i think ideally uh, you'd like to see someone like van der beek bought for that kind of money and with the attention that surrounded his signing someone like him to get more game time would be ideal uh for bruno fernandes as well uh but then again how do you draw bruno he is um, he is one of i think one of the i think he's probably the most undroppable player currently in the team because so much goes through him um you know he is the one that knits together the attack he is excellent at finding those key passes and he is just an all action player he always tries to do something different he is always on the look for a pass he always tries to find uh, the pass uh, to unlock the attackers and sometimes uh, you know he tries things that not even his own teammates would expect so he has been an extremely valuable addition and to be honest if you ask uh, if you ask me to consider or even think of a manchester united team currently without bruno fernandes i couldn't do it that's just, that's just how valuable has been and yeah um, long way it continue and i mean since you you're talking about bruno i i just like to sneak in a patent question from a patent data and okay. he's actually asked is, is bruno fernandes the best transfer for manchester united in the past decade or the past 5 to 10 years hmm. okay uh, so in the past decade i think you can i think you can make a very strong case for that um so let's let's take a look at all the marquee signings that united have made in this uh, in this period uh, so there's been harry maguire who i think has been the most expensive then there's uh, angel di maria then there's robin van persie then there's uh, juan mata there's also um who else there's arman falcao and all of these marquee players have come in um paul pogba obviously paul pogba yeah of course uh, sorry <laughs> sorry about that yeah um but you look at the impact that bruno has had on this team and it's been incredible and you know uh, to get him for the money uh, just to put aside the money factor for a second um i would happily take you know currently looking at the way bruno's performing i would have happily taken this uh, this current version of bruno fernandes for say 100 million that's just how good he has been there are some so there are some signings that every team needs to make that are just that just have to be done so liverpool had to buy someone like van dijk they had to buy someone like alisson manchester city needed a de bruyne so manchester united needed a bruno fernandes and they got him and yeah uh, he's he's been he's been excellent and i would i would say he's he's been one of my favorite signings and you know like i said i really cannot imagine this current iteration of oregana solskjaer's manchester united without bruno fernandes yeah that that that's a fair opinion i mean you look at the signing and the returns they give probably if you look at that way i think robin van persie probably has probably would be i mean if you if you don't consider bruno obviously i think for me i think robin van persie would be probably your best signing of the past decade because he fired you to number 20 obviously and it was yeah. a really good season from him although in the long term it was not really amazing business but returns wise it, it was good and i think it's just a matter of time before bruno again gives you the same thing so yeah i think the the shout that you made is very very fair and again uh, i would just like to stick to united's midfield i mean you have different options you i think solskjaer has tried with different things that double pivot sometimes when he plays fred mctominay fred pogba 
I mean, Van der Beek probably has, I think, maybe a couple of appearances there, although it's not, he's not been the most deepest player. Nemanja Matic and Fred, Nemanja Matic and McTominay. I mean, you had like different partnerships there this season so far. And Fred's form is something that, that I think United fans will be really happy with because he's massively, massively improved. But regarding McTominay, there is actually two sides. I mean, th- there are actually two groups of people who, uh, with different opinions regarding uh, I mean, Scott McTominay. I mean, a, pop- a popular anal- football analytics celebrity, Keith Van Hemen. I, I <laughs> hope I'm pronouncing his name rightly. I mean, he, he yeah. is a bit skeptical about McTominay. I've seen his tweets as well. I follow him. So, and there are a few people who really adore the work rate that McTominay puts in as well. So, I mean, in your opinion, what do you think is the perfect two in that double pivot right now? I mean, honestly, if you had asked me, uh, uh, Manchester United's perfect midfield does not have a double pivot. It has a single number six, and that is yet to be discovered. Um, so I spoke about this with, uh, with Carl Anker when I did a piece on United, uh, United's recent history. Uh, and, you know, he has tweeted about this several times and I've mentioned this in several discussions with United fans. We need a proper number six. But yeah, putting aside the hypotheticals, uh, if you ask me, um, on balance, I think Fred and McTominay is, uh, I wouldn't say our best duo, but is probably the most, um, the best option that we had at our hands. So because uh, they are two players that complement each other really well. They know their weaknesses. Uh, they know uh, what each other uh, we, what each of the other player is good at. So, you know, McTominay has certain limitations and uh, Fred has certain limitations and they both they both complement each other um, really well. So, McTominay is not the most, um, I would say, he's not the most progressive in his uh, passing. He has a limited skill set, but he does it really well. Um, and, you know, sure, Keith has been uh, very <laughs> public in his uh, criticism of uh, Scott McTominay and to be fair, he is not wrong in most cases. But I think what uh, what Scott McTominay brings uh, to the team, uh, if I'm not just limiting it to the starting level, what he brings to the team is uh, is a lot of intangibles uh, because he's a United player, and I like his character quite much, uh, quite a bit. You know, he is a vocal person. Uh, he is someone who is from the academy, who uh, is not probably uh, if you put if you look at the most talented players in the team. He is probably not uh, amongst even the top five, but he is someone who is uh, um, uh, is a very vocal presence in midfield. He is physical. He he you know he hassles other midfielders around him, and you know there are a few mistakes that he makes on occasion. But there are some games where he really comes into his own. So you saw that in the Champions League against. Um, I believe he started against Paris Saint-Germain and Leipzig, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he started those games and then I think his best game by far, hands down, was against Leeds United because he is someone who loves to who loves to charge forward with the ball. He's he's very direct and you know he's not he's not a dribbler by any sense and you know but he loves to attack uh, and he loves to drive forward with the ball. I think he's someone who doesn't like to be contained to a limited space. So which is why you cannot really rely on him as a sole defensive midfielder, which is why you need Fred, who is, I would say, far more defensive uh, in his uh, positioning. He's uh, far more disciplined as well. So he knows 
uh, his role well. Uh, but there's occasion, there's the occasional mistake in Fred as well. Uh, but you know, I think that was that was uh, the case with him last year. This year he has improved quite a bit. He presses uh, the uh, opposition midfield quite well. He wins the ball back, and then he drives. He makes he tries to attempt line breaking passes as well. So which is very important for you know deep lying midfielders in his position. So on on paper, I would say McTominay and Fred is uh, you know ideally uh, the best pair. Say if Matish was three years younger, I would probably go for him alongside Paul Pogba because three years old, uh, ago, Matich probably has a bit more pace about him, has more legs, he can cover more ground. And honestly, uh, in, in, the, in a defensive sense, in a passing sense, and also intelligence, Matich tops uh, Fred and McTominay easily. But he's not you know, getting any younger. So... Giving managing his game time is really important, and you know saving him for the really important fixtures where you would need someone like him is crucial. So I think it's good to have him uh, as an option. But yeah, ultimately Fred and McTominay are probably uh, our best option as a double pivot. Mm, that's that's fair. That's fair enough. And moving on to the manager now, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, again, I mean. When you talk about anything related to Manchester United, you have two divisions in the fan base. I mean mm-hmm. that, and I mean it's it's your fan base is quite you know torn as well at times. And that's something that we see on a regular basis. I mean they're not just your fan base. Obviously, all the fan bases are particularly they have divisions who who have different opinions. Obviously, but again, you, I mean United is such a such a big club and. Obviously, you expect a lot of journalists writing stuff about them, clickbaits mostly. And Solskjaer has been a manager who's been under a lot of criticism. I mean, I've also probably had my fair share of bantering and criticism on Solskjaer in different WhatsApp groups and stuff. But, I mean, credit where it's due. He's done a really tremendous job in 2020, to be honest. I mean, 2020 January was a month which is critical for Solskjaer. You lost to Liverpool at Anfield, that 2 a loss. Then I think you lost to Burnley as well the same month. I think it was the following game, if I'm not wrong. And people started exploding then. And that's when you signed Bruno Fernandes. That's when Bruno came into the side. And since then, it's been really, really good for Manchester United. I, I don't think a lot of people expected United to finish in the top four in January, in January 2020, but you finished in the top four even if it went to the last day. Then this new season, early dips in form, obviously due to lack of preseason and few other stuff, fatigue and stuff like that. And Solskjaer has actually done a really, really good job. I think he's actually maximized the players. He's actually kind of experimented different stuff and he has managed to pull out results, which is I which I think is probably the most important thing for a manager in football right now, with you know a lot of owners and fans being less patient. So I think credit where it's due. And I mean in your opinion, Ninad, why do you think or what are the possible reasons do you think Ole has kind of improved or have changed how Manchester United, you know, performed. Hmm. I mean, uh, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, in his time as a player, he was a top-class centre-forward. So, 
I think the improvements that he's made have. Uh, so if you look at the improvements he's made, uh, they have to be from the front. He has um, he has improved Anthony Martial's uh, hold up play. Um, I think you know Martial has come leaps and bounds uh, from how he was as a player and you know the skill set that he offered under say Louis Van Gaal or Jose Mourinho. And what he is now as a forward is not just someone who likes to cut inside from the left and you know get shots away. He is also someone who can be that focal point. Who is someone who presses the uh, who is someone who leads the press, who is someone who is good at holding up the ball. He has physically improved as well, and you know he has a bit of a uh, he has a bit of a physical fight to him as well now. So I think that's uh, that's been a notable improvement. Uh, Mason Greenwood, obviously another one who has uh, who has improved, and you know he had a um, a crazy return in in terms of his goals after project restart and um, you know i think uh, obviously a lot of uh, uh, fans knew that he couldn't uh, maintain that crazy goal scoring run and that has come to be because there's only so long that a player can you know outperform his xg but i think it's okay you know mason greenwood is still really young really young and he has a long long career ahead of him so you know kudos to him honestly for playing week in week out at one of the biggest clubs in the world uh, at his age so you know uh, props to him uh, marcus rashford is another one who has improved um i think masha uh, sorry uh, rashford's uh, skill set again is, has improved where he is not just someone who is looking to get on the end of passes he's also looking to create those passes so i think there's been a few games where he has dropped deeper and has Uh, look to play an early pass, or has you know look to help build up from deep. Whereas earlier you didn't really see that from him, and yeah, uh, he has been another one who has improved immensely. Fred uh, as well, we spoke about him earlier. He has improved uh, in terms of his defensive work, his his passing, um, and his awareness as well, um, which has improved for most part. And then you look at Alman Bissaka, another one who uh, a lot of people thought that you know he is someone who is um, strong only in his defensive work, who is someone who is strong in his one-on-one tackles. Um, but he's improved on that as well. Alman Bissaka, I think in in recent weeks you've seen that he has uh, improved in his in his crossing in terms of the runs that he makes, so overlapping and underlapping uh, with uh, with the attackers in front of him. so i think that's been a notable improvement as well and yeah i mean i think you know uh, oligana socha has has done a, a great job um, there's um, there's really no doubts about that and the fact that united are there about in the title run um, is is evidence of that and you know obviously you would uh, prefer for united to progress further in more important competitions uh, internationally so in the uefa champions league but you still have to remember that that was a group containing um, two of the semi finalists from last year's champions league so it was not the most easiest group to get out of and ultimately i think the group was lost when we lost to istanbul basaksehir um so that was uh, that was one thing but yeah in the league um, all is done a great job and uh, yeah 
props to him and the coaching staff, Kiran McKenna, Michael Carrick, Mike Phelan. They uh, they have improved a certain aspect, and I think Ole has a long term vision for the club, um, which uh, I'm sure a lot of United fans have followed the uh, the Athletics work uh, in uncovering his plans and understanding what you uh, know what ideas he has in store for the club. Um, I see him as someone who is a manager, who is a great manager, okay, and who is not necessarily a tactician. Um, but he's not someone who is, um, I wouldn't say he's tactically inept. I think there are certain situations where every manager gets outsmarted, and Solskjaer has had, you know, his fair share of results as such. So, you know, credit to him for doing the job that he's done so far. And yeah, let's uh, let's see how it goes ahead. And I mean, and that actually leads me to the most cliche question: mm-hmm. Do you think Ole is the right man for the long term? I mean, you know, it's um, ideally if you if you look at Solskjaer and you say Solskjaer was a manager available on the market currently, how many teams would realistically realistically take him? I don't think there would be a lot of teams uh, in the Premier League that would take him currently, um, but. It's not really about that, is it? It's about um, how much he's improved the team since he's come in, the kind of changes he's made. And, you know, uh, in terms of the structure, in terms of the overhaul he's done at academy level. And uh, so he's brought in, so most recently he brought in Daniel Fletcher as part of his uh, backroom staff, which is another positive development to see. So there are a lot of good things happening at Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And, you know, but uh, I I don't know if Solskjaer would be a Manchester United manager for let's say the next five years. But what you can say is that the when the day comes that he has to leave the club, he would leave the club in a much much better state than his predecessors have. You look at um, the structure is laid in place, the foundations for a team that is explosive in attack, that is. Um, good. That is trying to build out from the back. That is trying to be qual. Uh, that is trying to bring quality in its crosses uh, from out wide. That is trying to play uh, with the same sort of attacking flair that the manager that he worked under, Sir Alex Ferguson, tried to bring to his team. Now I'm not saying that's Oligan Solskjaer is Sir Alex Ferguson, but you can see a lot of the ideas that he's trying to implement in the current Manchester United team, inspired by Sir Alex's work. So I think he had. Uh, someone, one of one of the best managers of all time to learn from, and um, you know, obviously there will be a day when Solskjaer will be leaving the club, but you know, like I said, he will be leaving the team in a much better position um, than his predecessors have. And honestly, credit to him for all the positive work that he's done. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's really good to see from him. Mm, great to hear. I think uh, your your long term target, or I don't know if it, he, if he was an actual target, but the rumored target, Maurizio Pochettino, has been appointed by Paris Saint Germain. So you will probably have to look elsewhere if you if you want to replace Solskjaer. But I I don't think I I don't think uh, there should be a question over Solskjaer's future right now because he's done a tremendous job in the last month or so. I think. Probably mm-hmm. it would be fair enough, I think, I guess, to judge at the end of the season, which is again mm-hmm. an, another question. I think probably the last last segment of this podcast, 
what in your opinion do you think is probably the realistic or some realistic expectations for the season i mean from now i mean probably you would have had a different you know perspective probably at the start of the season but right mm-hmm. now at this stage I mean, what would you probably deem as a successful season or and what do you think are probably realistic? Well, I think in terms of realistic targets, there has to be at least one trophy won this season. Um, be it uh, the FA Cup, be it the EFL Cup, be it um, the Europa League or the Premier League. Um, honestly, in this COVID-affected season, I would, uh, I'm not sure if many United fans would agree with me on this, but I would prefer if United didn't progress too far in the Europa League because I think with this uh, strenuous schedule that they have and a lot of other teams have in the league this season, uh, stretching a squad thin uh, towards multiple competitions is a gamble uh, is a gamble that you should only take uh, with calculated risk and um, if, uh, so right now most of the squad is fit and fine which is great to see and um, Ultimately, obviously, I would be happy if United win the Europa League. Um, and I do think they stand, uh, they stand uh, um, you know, in good stead with that, uh, in that respect. You know, in, in terms of progressing in the Champions League, they have Royal Sociedad, uh, which is not the most easiest of opponents, but I think, um, I think we should be okay against them. In the league, again, um, you know, it's, really, um, it's really difficult to um, predict where United would finish in terms of uh, the top four because it's been chopping and changing every week. Uh, so I think we'd, we'd see a, a better picture of where the league table would be at the end of the season as we approach uh, the end of February after the games played have more or less become equal. And then we would see, I think, a clearer image. But I think a successful season should be United obviously finishing uh, top three. I think top three should be a target for this season in the league. Uh, and again, winning one of the domestic cups, uh, the Euro, the uh, the FA Cup or the EFL Cup or the Carabao Cup, that is as it's now being called. Um, and if um, say all the options are fit, if the squad can be managed, if game time is managed properly, rotations are done. Sure, I would love it if Manchester United also win the Europa League. Because honestly, after last season where they progressed to, I think we 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 achieved three semifinals. Um, you know, after reaching all of those um, milestones, I think this this squad needs to have the taste of winning a trophy. They need to understand what it's like to win silverware. Because once you do that as a player, you're always hungry for more, right? And you have some world class players in this team. You have Bruno Fernandez. You have you have Paul Pogba, Max Rashford. Uh, Anthony Martial, you have uh, David De Gea, who is, I know he's, he's probably still regressing as a goalkeeper, but on his day, he is still one of um, the world's best shot stoppers and he is a greatly experienced keeper. So this this team needs a trophy. This team needs to have that taste of silverware. And I think this season is is probably the best chance. They have to be thereabouts in terms of the title race. and. I'm not saying it will happen, but it could happen. Like I said, anybody could win as long as they are there at the end of the season. They are in a uh, in and around the number one spot. If one team makes a mistake, you have to be in a position to pounce on that mistake. And United have been guilty of that in the past. 
but I think there's been an improvement in that sense as well, where we are we have been in the losing position for quite a, uh, quite so many matches this season. But we've come back from that, and we've come back to win in those games, and that's been another positive development to see. Uh, that the mentality is improving of the team. So yeah, to summarize, uh, top three would be great. Uh, to win the title would be incredible. Um, winning either one of the domestic cups would be great, and progressing in the Europa League for me personally is not something that is a must and should. But if we are able to manage the squad properly and are able to manage injuries, and you know, if none of the players test positive for COVID uh, for the rest of the season, um, you know, if we can uh, manage all of those factors, then I would be happy if United win the Europa League again. So yeah, I think that I think that constitutes um, pretty much a successful season for Oligana Solskjaer and Manchester United. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, Nirad. And we'll go on to the last question of the podcast, which is uh, again a patron question from Dieter. And that the question is: Do you expect any incomings this January transfer window? I mean, obviously, Amar Diallo is in, but. Anyone else? Because you have Victor Lindelof who's sidelined. So there's been rumors floating around linking United with centre backs. But personally, do you feel United might recruit someone? Uh, I mean, look, January is a difficult time for any club to do business. And um, if you ask me, um, currently I don't see United making a lot of signings. I know Moises Caicedo is uh, is probably thereabouts. You know he's close to signing for the club, but you know uh, it's been quite on his front so far. I think talks are still ongoing for him, so he's coming in. Uh, Amad Diallo, obviously, he is coming in, uh, but I don't expect to see him um, actively in the first team from the get-off. I think he will be given time to settle in in the reserve team, and then I'm sure he will be um, a great asset in the latter half of the uh, season. Wherein we would need options in the in the Carabao Cup, um, in the the FA Cup, and um, in the Europa League if we progress. And yeah, I'm not I'm not particularly expecting anything uh, so far in January. But I think currently with what's going on in France in Ligue 1 with the media pro situation, um, I think Manchester United and other clubs in the Premier League should definitely look at that as an opportunity to sign players. I know Liverpool are looking at um, at options as well. I'm not sure if there is much um, there is much uh, strength to those Sven Botman rumors, but he's been one that has been heavily mentioned so far. And United have been linked to Monaco's Benoit Bariashil uh, in the past, um, so he's been another one that United have looked at. And yeah, I don't expect a lot of activity in the January window. Uh, Lindelof. Uh, has been sidelined, sure, but you know, Bai's return to the team has been a positive one, and the fact that he is now fit and he looks, he looks like you know he uh, will continue to remain fit for uh, at least the foreseeable future. Um, let's see how that goes. And yeah, I don't expect uh, a lot of arrivals, and but in terms of departures, I do hope that we can um, cut out some of the deadwood from the team. So Marcus Rojo has been someone who has been linked with an exit for a while. Sergio Romero. Um, and sadly, I have to say Phil Jones as well. Because uh, as much as I love his character and as much as I love him as a personality, um, honestly, Jones is 
he's not even 30 he's only 28 now and i think he deserves better for this stage of his career to have regular game time and i hope someone comes in for him in january and takes him away um but yeah that's i think that's pretty much my assessment of united's uh, january transfer window not too many arrivals but hopefully a few exits so let's see yeah fair enough i i, I think i mean liverpool definitely need a center back i mean without a center yeah. back i don't think uh, you can expect us to probably be anywhere near the title race i mean i i actually agree with what jamie carragher said um i think yesterday um so liverpool definitely need a center back as for united i think eric bailly's injury record is something that's probably concerning but quality wise he is really a really amazing center back i mean liverpool also have a similar player in joel matip who is really a quality center back but as probably not available when you need him and yeah that probably brings us to the end of this episode thank you so much ninath for joining in to this episode it was a pleasure epic thanks for having me on definitely and to all our listeners i mean my recommendation would be to follow ninath because he really puts out some amazing data visualizations on twitter i think uh, he has probably been one of the one of my top 5 people in terms of putting out pieces <laughs> in the last 6 months because he's Thanks been putting effect, it yeah. so consistently and uh, i mean even i mean i i actually post these pieces in whatsapp groups and people actually read uh, i mean see your pieces and they are actually happy because i mean you try to probably convey it in as simple as simple manner as possible so that Well, actually, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so, yeah. And listeners, so, I would also recommend that you follow Ritwik because he creates some <laughs> amazing, amazing visualizations on his on his own profile. So definitely do check out his some of his recent work as well. He's been creating some beautiful short maps that I have been drooling over. Uh, so definitely <laughs> do check out his work as well. Yeah, the, the, there are actually amazing some amazing people in the football analytics community that you yeah. should follow. Yeah. I, I think. probably we'll have to do another 7 to 10 minutes uh, we'll have to probably spend 7 to 10 minutes more if if we have to list out people <laughs> from the likes yeah, of ashwin so raman uh, nandi oh. sdl so people like that so yeah. yeah so thank you so much once again ninad and thank you to all our listeners as well for tuning in until next episode bye bye take care